Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're back. This is the 5 o'clock show, the number one show in, in the whole East Coast, just about. In the world. And, what are you talking about? Well, <laughs> well I would say the solar system. Uh, we have in the studio with us, we have, uh, who do we have? Judge Richard Weinberg. We have Craig Eaton, 10 years GOP chair of Brooklyn. And Tony Carbonetti. Tony, what's How going you, on? Nothing. Uh, the world is uh, a little crazy out there, as you know. Oh, this morning, the big news, Rita. What was the big news this morning? There was this guy abusing uh, the uh, people in a train, the F train, I understand. And this guy has 46 priors of uh, arrests of abusing. Yeah, by the way, and of those priors, John, assault, uh, a whole bunch of serious charges. And so he goes on the train. He's harassing people, uh, taunting, pushing people. And a 24-year-old guy intervenes, puts him in a chokehold, and takes him down. Uh, and it reminds me. Should we give him the... Yeah, I think we need to Charles Bronson. Yeah. I love the old American yes. social custom of self-defense. If the police don't defend us, maybe we ought to do it ourselves. Wow, there it is. And that's what Bronson, he did. Uh, Somebody's got Def- to do it. Somebody's got to defend Def Wish people. one, Charles Bronson. Let and the record be clear. And look, you knew that, by the way. You knew the line, Judge Weinberg. You I knew it. I did. And he is being hailed a hero. Um, at first, they were pulling him into custody, questioning it. You brought up a good point, Tony Carbonetti, with Alvin Bragg's ho- world. Ho- hopefully, Bragg sees it the same way the police did. You mean you think it might be a Jose Alba situation? I, I hope not. Because uh, that poor man that was went a through a lot. That was a disgrace that, that to Jose That poor man Alba. was defending his bodega. Yeah. Yeah. After someone well, came in and got, tried to kill look, him. We got so many legal problems in this world. Yeah. The only person that can give us the, the real answer, what the heck is really going on uh, in the Supreme Court? Well, who is it, Rita? We have got the great... Professor Alan Dershowitz, of course, who has many, many mega best-selling books. His latest one is Get Trump. And Professor Dershowitz, great to have you here. By the way, before we get uh, on the other stuff, did you hear about this strap hanger? Uh, do you yeah, think he's going to yeah, get in any know, legal issue? I hope not. When I was about 23 years old, I was a student at Yale Law School. I was coming home from visiting my mother. My mother always gave me food, so she gave me a frozen tongue to bring back with me to New Haven. I had the frozen tongue with me on the West End train in those days. Ah, A frozen tongue? Somebody attacked me and tried to steal my briefcase with all my homework in it, and I picked up the tongue, the frozen tongue, and I hit him with it. And he ran away. You probably could have so just showed I it to him. He would have run away. I was going to say. Just say, hey, look what I have. I have a tongue. <laughs> if, he would, if he had eaten it, we would have no problem. But uh, So I, I believe strongly in self-defense. 
Oh, my good. Well, absolutely. By the way, uh, I want to get your take. Professor Alan Dershowitz here on Katz and Cosby. Um, Samuel Alito coming out and saying yep. he has a pretty good idea who the leaker is, of course, of the Dobbs decision, basically yep. saying what was to come. That was huge. And he also said whoever did uh, really was responsible because they had assassination attempts against the Supreme Court justices. Your take on all this. That's absolutely right. And um, the person who did the leaking doesn't deserve any protection because he's not a whistleblower. Whistleblowers are supposed to reveal government corruption. This guy or woman, whoever it was, wasn't revealing government corruption, was revealing the works of the Supreme Court in an effort to corruptly change the decision of the Supreme Court. Now, I know Sam Alito. He complimented me to the sky when I recently met him and said, I, want, I was one of the reasons he became a prosecutor. So I'm, I'm, I like him very much. I think the reason he published this thing in the Wall Street Journal, he didn't have to say anything, was because he feels there's not enough being done. And I think he feels that that would jumpstart maybe the chief justice or the marshal's office to get moving on this thing. He should tell the marshal who he suspects. They should then call that person in. There's not enough to arrest him or do anything like that, but there's enough to question him, to maybe submit him to a lie detector test, to make him sign an affidavit, which would turn it into a crime. The Justice Department should be investigating this. They should, they can grant immunity to people and have them testify. uh, and, And if they fail to do so, be held in contempt. There's a lot more that can be done, but I have a hunch there are some people on the Supreme Court that don't want this to be resolved, that don't want the, the, it to be solved because they think it'll create more division. Yeah, they haven't. We by the way, they haven't been trying. It, it looks yeah. like they've been. I mean, they said they were going to be aggressive and they haven't. I wonder if the decision was going the other way, how they would have handled it. Yeah. And especially because I think Alito was implying, this is my interpretation, that it was a law clerk for one of the three dissenting justices who didn't approve, as I don't approve, of the overruling of Roe versus Wade. But, you know, I write op-eds about it. I don't go leaking things. Um, and so I think there's a sense, and there are rumors all over the Supreme Court, that it was one of the law clerks for one of the three justices who dissented. And there may be a feeling among some of the justices that disclosing it and having an accounting might cause even more division on the Supreme Court, and they don't want to see that. But that, that's not their prerogative. We, the American public, have the right to know who did that leak. Because it wasn't just a leak. It was part of a plan to change a Supreme Court decision through whatever means were necessary, including, I'm not saying the person who leaked it had this in mind, but the implication was, if we know that Kavanaugh is the swing justice, and if you bump him off, hey, it's a 4-4 vote. And that's probably what the person was thinking when he was caught in his yard with the weapons. Yeah, scary stuff. Judge Weinberg. Alan, there was a, there's a publication called Above the Law, which I'm sure you know of. And the article said Alito is only saying that because he knows that the person who leaked it was a right winger and Look, not a, and not, law, isn't that nonsense? Is, is above the law is not only below the law, but it's beneath contempt. Exactly. Uh, it's a horrible, horrible publication. It's scandal mongering. It's hard left. Um, and anytime anybody who's not one of their progressive minions, they go after them. So don't believe a word that uh, uh, below the law or above the law, whatever they call themselves, 
says. It's pretty disgusting. Uh, and, you know, they have a right to, to lie and they do it and they take advantage of their right left and right. But nobody should take them seriously. Professor, this is Craig Eaton. It just seems like every investigation against the Bidens or, or relating to the Bidens never gets to finalizing. Next, look mm-hmm. at the you have the you have the leak that that would be detrimental to the Biden administration and the White House, because we know that they had something to do with that, or it has to do with the White House. Then you have the Biden investigation in Delaware that's not going anywhere. If this, if these were Republican issues, they would get, they would have gotten resolved within weeks. But everything mm-hmm. that deals with the White House and Biden, it's you know the weaponization of the FBI and and, and the Justice Department, and nothing seems to, to to get finished. I have a hunch though that the meeting, the recent meeting between the Biden legal team and the Justice Department may suggest that there may be some negotiations underway. In my experience, you don't send four lawyers to the Justice Department traveling from wherever they traveled to get a status update. You can do that on the phone in two minutes. Uh, when you send four high-powered lawyers to meet in the Justice Department, generally it's to have a substantive talk toward resolving this. So it would not shock me if there were to be some kind of a resolution of the case with a misdemeanor plea or something like that. But I think we have to keep an open mind and see what the evidence is. Well, and also the floodgates are going to open for his finances. That's the other thing, too. It'll be interesting if it doesn't get settled. Yeah, and, and the civil case as well, you know, obviously that's going on. You know, it's so interesting because we're seeing parallels between Donald Trump and Hunter Biden with the big difference that Donald Trump gets indicted. Donald Trump gets sued. Um, I think the judge has made some terrible rulings in the civil case. The judge is a very good judge, but he's made some terrible rulings, allowing, you know, 35 year old allegations of groping on an airplane by a different woman uh, to come in uh, just, you know, New York law is very permissive on that, but even New York law has a limit to what can come in and what's relevant, allowing the tape to come in about what he had said years, years earlier. Yeah, the Access uh, Hollywood tape, yep. Yeah, giving him permission. I mean, it doesn't prove anything because what he said in the tape is women love celebrity. It's a terrible thing to say, but he said they give me permission to do it. That How is that relevant to... Alan, it's, it's Tony Carbonetti. Yeah. I'm the last guy to defend Trump. I go hot and cold on him, but, you know, some things I give him credit for having the common sense, even though he used a lot corrupt during his campaign. When the time came, he didn't go prosecute Hillary Clinton. He knew that's not what you do. OK, the Democrats haven't figured that out. And by going after him on these petty things, I think they're just making him stronger. Look, he's going to undoubtedly win the nomination if his health survives. And then the question is, where do middle voters go? Where do voters uh, who are neither zealot leftists or rightists uh, or not MAGA people, who wins the middle? And what I think many American politicians fail to understand, many Israeli politicians also fail to understand that, our countries are centrist countries. We don't like the extremists on either side, mm-hmm. we don't vote exactly. for them. If you look at elections, people who have center conservatism or center liberalism, they tend to win. And I would hope, I'm a Democrat, that the Democrats would understand that. Look what happened recently in Borough Park, where I grew up. The city councilor from Borough Park refused to vote for a resolution condemning anti-Semitism. I know, that was shocking. She's a Muslim woman, and Borough Park now, the district, includes many Muslims. And what she said was so anti-Semitic, 
She said, they, they don't support us. They, you know, whenever you use the word they to describe an ethnic group, you know you're involved in bigotry. Absolutely. And, Professor Dershowitz, yeah, I want to make sure we get to Judge thing, Weinberg. Judge Weinberg, uh, Alan, the case yeah. is going before the Supreme Court that's challenging the uh, continued viability of the Chevron Doctrine, which is deference by yep. the federal courts to administrative Agency determinations on interpretation of law. Could you comment on that? Keep it simple. Yes, yeah, 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 we don't. You know, this is not a professional audience. You know, keep uh, keep it simple. Very, hey, speak for yourself. I'm kind of professional, John. <laughs> no, it's very hard. This is an issue that conservatives have been pushing for for a long time, and that is that the Constitution gives the legislature the power to make legislation. It doesn't give it to the executive to make it through administrative agencies, and I think eventually that will prevail. And the legislative function will be strengthened and the executive power to make rules instead of just enforcing rules will be weakened. And that's probably the right direction in which. The in other go. words, a, a, a civilian being appointed to the EPA cannot make big changes to the laws. Okay. It has to be the legislature. That's right. And, and we're seeing that. We saw that with the with um, the vaccine decision. We've seen it with a number of decisions. The trend is clearly away from, you know, what Franklin Delano Roosevelt introduced to our government, the New Deal, the, the alphabets, all the administrative agencies, the FEC, the C, you know, and they 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 have become a second legislature, and there are now limits thank on you, that. Thank you, Professor. Thank you so much. Uh, and Always we'll talk to you again real alphabet. soon. And uh, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with John Solomon on some breaking news that uh, we, we just talked to him about. Common Sense Recap of the Day's Biggest Stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. We're back, the number one show at 5 o'clock, and I understand John Solomon's on the line. Rita, takes John Solomon. And joining us now with some big breaking news is the founder of Just the News, John Solomon. John, what do you got? Well, a lot going on. Let's start with the Hunter Biden investigation today. Lots of developments. Hunter Biden legal team bracing for a potential indictment in the next days, a few days, a few weeks. Uh, while that's going on, members of Congress are beginning to feel like they haven't gotten the truth from the Biden administration and some of its most famous people. We talked about uh, Merrick Garland last week. The IRS whistleblower calls into question Merrick Garland's claim that there's been no political interference in the Hunter Biden case. Now, Anthony Blinken is facing multiple questions. One is, why did you uh, get involved with a letter that misled the American people calling the laptop uh, disinformation? Blinken says it wasn't his idea, but he doesn't deny he had the contacts with the man who made the letter, wrote the letter, circulated the letter. But now there is a new development. Uh, Senators Charles Grassley and Ron Johnson said they have found evidence that Blinken was communicating both he and Blinken's wife, who worked at the State Department back in the, uh, the Obama years, that they were communicating with Hunter Biden something that Blinken assured lawmakers in testimony in 2020 never happened. They're now accusing him of lying, and they're demanding that he preserve all documents and turn them over to the Senate. Tony Blinken in the hot seat for certain. And while that's going on, on the other side of the uh, Capitol, a House lawmaker, Scott Perry, very influential, played a big role in the uh, deal that made uh, Kevin McCarthy the speaker. He says he's pretty concerned that the Justice Department may have allowed a lot of the most serious legal violations against Hunter Biden to expire, the statute of limitations to expire. He's asking Congress 
in both committees, uh, Senate and House, both chambers, go find out if they let uh, Hunter Biden off easy by letting statutes of limitations on crimes expire. A lot of things going on in the Hunter Biden world today. You know, uh, John Solomon, I got to ask you, this is wild. In the court case that took place yesterday, this is in the Arkansas case, yeah. Hunter Biden, uh, the sort of deadbeat dad case, if you will, yeah. where the girl, yeah. um, the allegations from Hunter Biden's attorneys where he is broke, he's so broke that when he went over with his father on Air Force One to Ireland, he slept in a cot in his father's yeah. hotel room. Is there anybody who believes that one? <laughs> Well, listen, uh, it's a great story. Hopefully they've told the truth to the court. I think the bigger threat from that case is the judge has been very prescient, which is, all right, I know you're paying 20000 a month in child support, and you say you're broke, but I want to know what you've been making on these paintings that you've been selling, and are you living gratis, meaning are people giving you gifts, cash gifts? That would be an amazing revelation if Hunter Biden is forced to go back and say, listen, political donors, other people give me gifts. The judge seemed very interested in that. I don't think the Hunter Biden lawyers are very happy that the judge ordered a show cause, ordered him to show all the sources of income he has, not just his uh, normal income. If there are gifts following the Hunter Biden, that's going to open up another avenue of inquiry for Congress in, in another way that maybe donors and other people can enrich benefactors of a political family. But that was a big moment yesterday. It will have consequences downstream if Hunter Biden has to put that information into the court record. Well, there's a lot of wows here. And, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, Hunter Biden, he, he is paying 20000 a month. I mean, 20000 a month in Arkansas, you could live like a zillionaire. I mean. Yeah, and he's fighting is. on the name, too. He yeah. doesn't want the baby to use his I name. Know. I mean, this is uh, wild. I, nobody really understands that. Why can't you have a simple DNA test? And uh, Well, they did. It, they and did. It? And it's confirmed to be his. But, but he right. still doesn't want to basically acknowledge it. Yeah, well, that's, that's exactly right. There's no doubt about it. It's uh, it's going to be an eyesore for this administration, and it comes as the congressional pressure on the Biden family is now ramping up as well. And I, I, all that money flowing around, I mean, uh, look, I, I never like to criticize a president of the United States, but, but the fact, all that money rolling around, uh, instead of going uh, uh, and having a – why can't they just settle it? Yeah, and, and by the way, he probably yeah. should. I bet his attorneys are saying, why not settle it? Because now it's opening a floodgate. There's an old expression, pay the $2. Yeah, exactly, as opposed yeah. to uh, having yeah. all your dirty laundry exposed. Yes. Now, I, I saw something else in the news uh, on your website uh, about our whales. I love, me and Rita uh, love whales. Whale. And Matt Wanning loves whales. And, and, and uh, they're trying to, uh, there's some scientists that say there is a connection between the windmills they're putting on the ocean and the whales getting dying. Tell us what you've yeah, heard. This is an important thing. So the Department of Energy is adamant. Hey, uh, there is no connection between whale deaths or whale safety and the offshore wind projects that the Biden administration and the Energy Department under Joe Biden have been pushing. That's interesting. They're saying there's no evidence. There's not a connection. It isn't there. They put this up on their website. They're pushing it around, pushing back on this. There's just one problem. It turns out that one of the chief scientists in the Biden administration, he actually works for NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. He's the head of their protected species branch, and he wrote an internal memo that Justin News got a hold of, our good reporter Addison Smith, saying that the development of offshore wind, in fact, does pose risk to certain uh, whale species. He noticed that additional noise, vessel traffic, and habitat modifications due to the rise of offshore wind development 
is likely causing added stress that could result in additional population consequences, i.e. whales dying. So uh, there is an email from one of the Biden scientists saying the opposite of what the Energy Department just made as a declaration. I know we've seen this uh, a pattern before in the Biden administration, but this one's a very, very stark one. And a lot of people talking about that story today. We got to save the whales. I, I mean, save this the is whales. I, I know. I watched that Star Trek movie where the whales died in the 24th century. There were no whales. You love all That's the Star Trek right. films. <laughs> you're, you're a Star Trek junkie, John. <laughs> Well, thank you, John Solomon, for coming aboard, and we look forward to talking to you more often and uh, delivering the news to all uh, Americans. Thank you so much. We Thanks, love it. John. Thank you. Have a good day, guys. Well, the whales. we got to save those whales. We do, and that's explosive because it was an internal person at the White House uh, who basically revealed they have information, well, but they're not sharing it, John. Well, and Noah, too. Yeah, but what a surprise. Yeah. You know? Now, with us today is Steve Moore. Uh, one of the country's top economists and uh, Larry Kudlow's uh, uh, best friend. And uh, uh, Steve, is the world coming to an end? I, I understand the regional banks took big hits today. What's going on? Well, John, I think that there are some problems in the banking industry, especially with the you know big steep rise in income. I mean, in uh, interest rates. Remember, uh, what was it? Fourteen months ago, we had an interest rate of on the federal funds rate, which was practically zero. Now it's five, and it's probably headed to five and a quarter. And so what happened was all of these banks that bought, invested, you know, billions and billions of dollars in these government bonds, guess what? They've they've lost 30% of the value. By the way, John, I hope you weren't buying 2% government bonds. No, I was not buying 2% government bonds. And uh, uh, I'll tell you that uh, the Fed and the Treasury Department – Better calm things down, otherwise yeah. they're going to create more problems. They will. And look, there's a there's another part of this story that I want to make sure that you and your you guys listeners understand, which is that um, I'm worried about what's going to happen in the mortgage market because, as you guys know, banks you know their major uh, you know function is to provide mortgages. And the banks are mortgages. shut down, Steve Moore. The banks are shut down. They're not lending any money to anybody. Well, why would they if you're going to have these new policies? Have you heard about this new policy, guys, where they're going to say if you're uh, someone who has a good credit score and if you're someone who has a high down payment on your loan, you're going to have to pay more for the person who has a low down payment loan and a bad credit score. It is so crazy. Like the good creditors are basically funding the deadbeat creditors. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And by the way, you go back, you know, people always ask me, we're going to see a 2008 again. And I say, well, no, I don't think so. But, you know, in 2008, the main reason that so many of these mortgages went bust was the government uh, through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and the FHA uh, was basically insuring mortgages with, you know, two or three percent down payment. And lousy credit scores, and guess what? Hey, wait, the, they were lending them the down payment besides. They were lending them 110 percent of the value <laughs> exactly. of the property. Exactly. And, and then, and then the day you close, you're underwater already. And exactly. six months late, six months later, you can't pay your mortgage. You're in, you're in foreclosure. And now, good creditors yeah, are being really penalized. If the, if the value of your house falls by 20 yeah. percent, and so that was remember the term jingle mail, where people stop. Uh, you know, mailing in their mortgage check, they'd sell it, they'd uh, mail in the keys to the house and just, yeah. you know, leave. And so anyway, my point is, why in the world, John, I mean, you're a businessman, 
do we want to have the people who do things right and put the high down payment down and have a good credit score? Why should they have pay, pay more for the people who have a lousy credit score? It's crazy. Steve, this is Craigie, and I have a quick question for you. One of the concerns I'm hearing from all my, my attorney friends out there is the banks are only insured for 250000 under the FDIC. You have all these law firms out there that have millions of dollars in escrow, and everyone's getting nervous now that if the bank that they have their escrow account with goes under, I mean, I have four and a half million dollars in my escrow account. I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do anymore. I can only get two fifty if my bank goes out of business. What do we do here? And you're well, still responsible. Yeah, I'm still responsible. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm yeah. scratching my head looking at different banks. Um, I don't, I don't know what we're going to do here, but I know there's yeah. people in the street are nervous. They're nervous about how can they protect the escrows that they're holding. Well, it's a good question. I mean, remember when the more, when uh, when deposit insurance was first started, I think the amount was like five thousand dollars, and now it's two hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollars. I mean, look, my feeling is deposit insurance is for the mom and shop, mom and pop investor. Yeah. Now, if you've got several million dollars in a an escrow account, so that's basically in like a, a savings account at a bank. It's it's in a it's in an IOLA account. You're you're required to put deposits into an interest on lawyers account where the bank pays the interest to this IOLA fund, and then if your lawyer steals your money, the IOLA fund reimburses you the money that was stolen. So they yeah, mandate, like they mandate the Bar Association mandates yeah. you have to put it in an IOLA account, and then and the banks in the IOLA accounts are only giving you protection for two fifty. Yeah, so except I would simply say this, that if you look at like what happened to Silicon Valley Bank um, yeah. depositors, they got, um, no matter how much money they had, they got um, made whole. So they didn't lose money on that. Yeah. So that was the first the one. The people who first lost one. money are the shareholders and yeah. the bondholders yeah. right now. Exactly. You know. And by the way, I'm sorry. I do think there should be a limit on the on the uh, amount you're insured because we want people to be careful about where, where, yeah. what banks they put their money in. You know, and that's one way to do it. You know, you got to have some. Some, uh, well, then the, the regional banks will go completely bust because everybody will put their money into Bank of America and J.P. Morgan. I have mine in Chase, and I was told if Chase has a problem and goes under, the, the world, world is coming up, to right. an end. Yeah. Yeah. And that, exactly. that I went to the smartest. I went to the smartest man I know, and that's John Katsimatidis. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. We got, a, we got a minute left. We got about a minute left. Uh, yeah. What else is going on? Okay. It looks like uh, is the Fed going to be stupid enough to raise rates again? Yes, they are. They're going to raise it to five and a quarter. The uh, most important thing we have to do is... I mean, is, they're just creating more I of a know, banana peel. I know, John. You, you know, uh, look, I think let's just stop here. In other words, five and a quarter and then stop. But I've got to say this because we've only got 30 seconds left. I'm with Kevin McCarthy. We've got to, we've got to stop this massive debt spending. And he's, he's got a great plan. And when Janet Yellen says Congress has to pass the debt ceiling bill, guess what? The Republicans did pass the debt ceiling bill. So now it's the ball is in Chucky Schumer's court, and we'll see what happens here. But I don't want the Republicans to blink here. We can't keep borrowing $2 trillion more every year. We're going to go bankrupt. What a Steve mess. Moore, thank you so much, and uh, thank you for coming on, and we'll talk again and real soon. Saturday at 1 p.m., Saturday more money. One, between 1 and 2 o'clock uh, with Steve Moore with more money and uh, with uh, Mr. Ryan with you too, right? You better believe it. All right. Uh, now uh, you, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with Gordon Chang. There's some real stuff going on in the Far East, and we have to know what's going on in the world. Then we have Paul Zuber, what the heck is going on in Albany, and Chad Wolf. Well, those, those borders, those borders are getting more porous, and let's go to that break. 
You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on hey. 77 WABC. Well, we are back here to Katz and Cosby, the number one show, not just in New York, but the world and the solar system. And, John, uh, big stuff happening in the Far East. And joining us to talk about all of this is the great Asia expert, Gordon Chang. His Twitter is Gordon E. Chang. And G- G- Gordon G., right? Gordon G.? Gordon G. Chang. I should know that after all these years. And, Gordon, we are thrilled to have you here on the show. And I'm thrilled to be talking to you guys. Yeah, And, uh, Gordon, big stuff. Tell us what's on the horizon, because everybody, all eyes, of course, on China. Well, literally on the horizon is a balloon that passed over Hawaii. We don't know where it comes from. Uh, the Pentagon probably does, but with a carefully worded statement, they avoided using that five-letter word, China. Now, this balloon is heading towards Mexico, which means it's heading towards California, and we're going to see what happens. Now, the Pentagon let it fly through uh, territorial American airspace and did nothing about it. And this brings to mind what happened in January when that big Chinese spy balloon entered territorial U.S. airspace on January 28th, and they didn't even bother to tell the occupant of the Oval Office until the last day of January after it flew through both Canadian and Alaskan airspace. So do we know if it's Chinese, this one, or not? Well, I think the Pentagon knows uh, because they watch balloon takeoffs, um, but their statement was very carefully worded. They said that uh, no foreign power was maneuvering the balloon. Now, that doesn't say a lot of things, which they probably do know. But in any event, um, why should we allow an unidentified object to transverse American airspace, uh, especially because it's most likely Chinese? And clearly, we should not be allowing this through our airspace. Well, Gordon, there's so many things going on. Uh, this week alone, I got some intelligence reports uh, from some of my friends, and I just want you to comment on it, that the Chinese government, is uh, going around at the United Nations and has almost everybody on the payroll. In other words, there's little envelopes with cash in it get distributed every two weeks. And I'm not surprised. Down to the porters, because the porters keep their people uh, advised on if the big guys are telling the truth. Yes. And, you know, this brings to mind uh, something where Chinese consular officials in Los Angeles were handing out $400 each to protesters when Tsai Ing-wen, the Taiwan president, came to visit uh, the Reagan library. That's a clear violation of our sovereignty. Why the Biden administration didn't do anything about it, I don't know. And I understand. I understand through my sources that it goes all the way to the top. Again, not a surprise. That's the way the Chinese do business. I mean, we should know about this. And if you, I, I think that clearly the Biden administration should be declaring some people persona non grata, not only the people who hand out the cash, but the people who accept it. This has got to end. And I got one more. Oh, I understand in Brussels in the European Union, those envelopes go all the way around. I mean, everybody's on the payroll. In other words, uh, the United Nations is for sale. Brussels is for sale. I mean, and, and we do know that Washington is for sale. I mean, what kind of, what's, 
How are we going to survive? We're not going to survive. John, we're going to lose our country. Uh, I know that for most Americans that sounds impossible. But the way things have been going with China, uh, not only domestically but um, uh, outside the U.S., um, things are really, really bad right now. Just to give you an example, Sudan's in the headlines. It's um, the Russian mercenary group. Wagner is destabilizing the country. Putin doesn't have the money to do it. My sources, it's my turn now, my sources say that that money comes from China to the Wagner group, which means that China will soon be able to control the Suez Canal because Sudan is a bordering the Red Sea. And the Biden administration is not paying any attention to this at all. We've got problems in the rest of North Africa. And if we lose the tip of North Africa, we're probably going to lose the rest of the continent as well. Biden administration's not paying attention. Gordon, this is Craig Eaton. I have a quick question for you. If Trump comes in in 2024, can he turn this around right away for us? What's your yes, thought on he, that? Yes, he can. Yeah. Because yeah. what we're seeing right now is the rapid collapse of America's standing, not because of effective Chinese statecraft, but it's because of the envelopes that John talked about. And the weakness. All, yeah. and, and it's the feeble Biden policies yeah. that have opened the door Matter of fact, it's worse than feeble. We have been helping China's allies. We've been helping China against our own friends in various regions, including South America, close to the United States, Middle East, and North Africa. Now, if somebody comes in and changes those policies, China is no longer going to have that free open ride. They've been walking into a vacuum with Trump or somebody else. There will be no vacuum. Gordon, it's Tony Carbonetti. One last question. I mean, externally, uh, we all see what China's doing and we worry about it. But what's going on internally? I mean, are they still having problems feeding the population? Is there any dissent? I mean, how long can they hold on? Do you have any insight into what's going on internally? That's a great question. We know the economy isn't doing very well. They're putting out a lot of numbers which don't uh, are not mm-hmm. consistent with what we know about the Chinese economy. The economy clearly contracted in January, February. Maybe recovered a little bit in March, but we are seeing uh, an economy that can't produce the money necessary to pay off China's enormous internal debt. Um, We know people aren't very happy because they're continuing protests. And I think that this is driving Xi Jinping to be more aggressive externally because he doesn't have any answers to China's internal problems except to go to war with somebody to rally the Chinese people. Wow. Wow. Uh, Gordon Chang, Gordon G. Chang uh, on Twitter. Thank you so much. And the other information I didn't let go yet. Yeah, you had some blockbusters, I mean, I understand that some of that money that's being distributed is counterfeit and it's being distributed. Uh, Thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Uh, Right now, let's go to Albany. Let's go to Albany and find out from Paul Zuba. This is the Exodus uh, (laughs) music. Well, Paul Zuber, is the exodus going to continue from New York? New York businesses, New York uh, uh, consumers, what's going on in Albany? Oh, wow. You know, first of all, thank you for the theme music. I think I'm going to travel around now with, with theme music. Um, <laughs> so, what's going on? so what's going on in Albany? Supposedly, um, today... Uh, we expect the legislature to vote on and adopt the final budget. Um, to your question about the exodus of, of New Yorkers, I think I, I still have grave concerns 
with what's going on in New York. I think people have been using the word affordability, um, but they don't understand what affordability means. And I, and I think some of the policies that are being talked about in Albany continue to not take into account, you know, affordability. So, you know, the governor will say, and, and, and rightfully, I mean, there were some good, good portions of the budget that she's going to point to. She's going to point to the bail change. She's going to point to a billion dollars for mental health funding. She's going to, you know, wave the flag and say she saved the MTA. She's going to talk about the child tax credit and record funding. For but if school. there's nobody she, here to pay the taxes, I understand I, I, the average I salary agree. of the 486 people that left, the average salary was like $160,000, $180,000. I totally agree. And, and I think where I have a very strong concern, and, you know, I think the entire business community has a strong concern, is the continued movement towards uh, adopting the climate uh, legislation that was passed back in 2019, because it's clear that there's going to be an increase in costs to consumers. And it seems as though everybody kind of wants to put their head under the covers and not admit that there's going to be costs. Now, I hear a conversation when you talk to elected officials, well, we're going to provide rebates to consumers. But as you guys all know, who's going to fill out rebates? It's going to be the people who have the wherewithal to do it, who have the time to do it. You're, again, you're not helping the people that need help in New York State. And it's clear that the costs are going to go up dramatically because of this, this climate bill. Um, and, you know, the, the bottom line is, you know, another thing that people forget New York State accounts for less than 1% of the global emissions. Less than 1%. So what are, what are we, what are we doing? We're rushing into a program that we know is going to increase costs on consumers. And I'm a big advocate for, for helping the environment and, and changing the environment. But there's a way to do this in a smart, detailed, and strong manner that will help consumers and not hurt consumers. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from the budget. That, that That's what worries us in the business community, that people have not comprehended this. And, you know, Paul, this is Rita Cosby. I was just going to talk about sort of the contrast. We were just talking with Gordon Chang about China. Uh, China's not doing anything, and we're, you know, we're not, we're incurring the cost. I mean, it just seems, it seems insane. If China and it's, India you know, don't do it, right. it doesn't count. China and India, you know what it is? India and Pakistan have joined the group. You know why? Russia is is selling them oil at a discount. So they're not suffering, and that's why they're part of the access now. It's, It's hubris on the part of New York State because when you ask people about this, they say, well, New York State has to be a leader. And we have to be a leader, and, and that's why we need to do it. Now, you and everybody listening and everybody in the studio can probably count on your fingers within five seconds, 15 states that would no way come near what we did um, in New York State. So, again, it's hubris to think that all of a sudden New York State's going to do it and the world is going to dramatically change, and all of a sudden everybody's going to go down the pathway of, of zero emissions and all electric buildings and things of that nature. Cool. There's a there's a big concern here. Well, it's Richard Weinberg. And the other great leader of this uh, phenomena, this destruction of economic independence, is California. And guess what the idea they're pushing now, which is to abolish the use of diesel trucks. And what's the impact going to be on the people in California? And don't you think New York is going to try to track that 
because they'll do the same crazy policy as California. Without question, they 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 followed with the with the sale of uh, cars, um, you know, banning that eventually. But you know, if you want to have a, a funny expression, talk to some of the people in the construction industry as they realize that at some point they might have to do um, electric uh, EV construction equipment. I mean, their minds just kind of explode with with the thought of having backhoes and bulldozers running on EVs. Uh, they don't they don't even know where do you put the charging station? Yeah, and unbelievable. So it, it, it's it is it is unbelievable and it is a little disconcerting and I and I think, you know, from our perspective the business council, you know, we plan to be very aggressive with talking to New Yorkers about affordability and what we think will help New York state Are in these, terms of affordability. You know, we're going to take a break but question uh, are some of these people? Do they actually believe this crap, or, they, or, or, or are they are they walking? Are they tiptoeing through the tulips? They're crazy. They're crazy. I, I know you got to take a break, but you know, I, I just had this conversation with someone. I, I honestly think that there's a there's people who don't truly understand how business operates, and because of that, they make these assumptions and that are incorrect, and in the end the end result will be hurting New York State consumers. And, and these so, are people that are spending hundreds of billions of dollars of our money. And, I mean, yeah. maybe we should give them an IQ test to see if they're smart enough to, uh, to understand it. An IQ test of being elected official? I'm all for it. <laughs> I like that idea. It'll never work. There'd be It'll some never work. very low number. I like that idea. We'd have no elected like, officials left. Yeah, it'll be zero. <laughs> You'll be in Albany by yourself. <laughs> You'll be there all by yourself, Paul. Yeah. That's right. It would be it would be great. I'd be able to go in the chamber and sit down and have lunch. No one would be there. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, Paul Zuber, thank you very, very much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Um, and, boy, I, John, you just said you put it so concisely. Does anybody believe I say, in this crap? I look, I'm from the streets in New York. I say it the way it is. I love it. We love it. And, everybody, stay with us after the break. More stunning news. Uh, the border is wide open and Biden is sending 1,500 active duty troops to help process more to come through the border. Not for security. Unbelievable. Chad Wolf, the former Secretary of Homeland Security, joins us. You want to stay with us here on Cats and Cosby. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back to Katz and Cosby and the Biden administration, I say pretending because just a few minutes ago, they announced they are sending 1,500 active duty troops to our wide open southern border. Uh, what a joke, because basically they said it's for processing more of them, uh, which is just incredible. Joining us now on the show is the former Secretary of Homeland Security. He was the acting secretary. He is now also the executive director of the America First Policy Institute, Chad Wolf. Um, Chad, so great to have you here on the show and reconnect with you, my friend. This is amazing. What do, what do you make of the fact uh, that they're pretending now that they're doing something? Clearly, they know it's going to be basically a tsunami coming in when Title 42 gets lifted in a matter of days. Well, thanks for having me on. I think this announcement from the administration on sending National Guardsmen to the border is largely for PR purposes. I think they know that it will have no measurable effect, positive effect at the end of the day. Look, 
we sent National Guard down to the border during the Trump administration. I know exactly the types of duties and, and responsibilities that they will have, which is largely administrative. Um, I think until you have changes in policy along that border, nothing really is going to change. And I think that's exactly why we've seen almost, uh, you know, over two years of increasing border apprehension numbers and a border completely out of control because they refuse to change their policies, which are underpinning the crisis at the border. So you can throw all the resources. You can deploy National Guard down there. You can move other personnel down there. But if the underlying policy doesn't change, then the crisis will continue. You know, Chad, um, also, what's your reaction? Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, I couldn't believe she said this yesterday, with a straight face during the White House briefing, migrants are down, the numbers are down at the border, 90%. I, I mean, the numbers, I'm looking at them right now, uh, you know them better than anybody, Chad Wolf, but uh, year to date, we're up 136,000 compared to last year, and last year was a historic high. Yeah, well, it's not going to be any surprise to say that she's confused. She's confused to the point that she's not really sure what she's saying. I think what she's trying to say is that there are four nationalities where they they will tell the American people the numbers are down. Um, And those are Venezuelans, Cubans, Nicaraguans, and and one other. And it's, it's because they're paroling all of those individuals into the country. So they're not counting them as illegal apprehensions any longer. They're actually counting them as parole leaves. Yeah, they're making them uh, legal. Right. The overall number, the overall number continues to be astronomically high. And of course, she doesn't make that distinction. And of course, she doesn't actually get into the details because she knows nothing about immigration. She knows nothing about the border. And it's very clear when she talks about it. Chad Wolf, John Katzmatidis here. Now, Gordon Chang was on our show this morning on our network on WABC and he was talking to Sid uh, Rosenberg and he thinks What's the nicest way to say it? That our president may be compromised. You were Homeland Security on a scale of one to ten. You think there's a possibility? Well, I, I, it's a tough question to ask. I know it's a tough question to ask. I I think that's why I think as I observe some of the uh, sort of, you know, whether it's press conferences and some of the interactions that President Biden has and others, I think it's clear that. I don't think he's thinking coherently and clearly about a number of topics. Look, I just go back to my experiences under. under, (laughs) It's a very nice way of saying it. (laughs) I go back to my experiences under President Trump sitting in the Oval Office and having debates with other members of the cabinet and with the president himself about some very difficult issues. I can't imagine that that is going on under this administration with President Biden. You don't, you, I don't think any American can imagine that those in-depth policy discussions and debates are actually occurring. And so if they're not, the question is, why not? Um, and I think that's really the fundamental question that most Americans are asking. Who's in charge and where are these tough discussions being had if they're not with the president? Chad, Chad this is Craig Eaton. I think more specifically, I think what Gordon was referring to is the fact that there were relationships, business relationships between Hunter and the president and China, and that he is not very comfortable pushing back on China because he's afraid that that could come out and that they would have tapes and recordings and other documents that would prove um, his relationship with China that could be very damaging to him. Well, I think there's no doubt that the president needs to answer for that relationship with the Chinese government. Um, obviously, we most folks have seen the reporting on the payments and the like. And so the president needs to explain to the American people why uh, he was getting paid from what is considerably our largest adversary at the moment. And what was he getting paid for yeah. 
and what is his relationship now with him? If um, he, he owes that type of transparency to the American people, and I think every day that goes by where that's not explained, um, I think that's another day that most Americans are wondering this very issue. Is he compromised into what level? You know, uh, Chad, we have a minute yeah, left. Uh, what else do you want to tell the American peoples? Well, look, the border crisis is something that didn't need to occur like many other crises that we've seen around the country over the last two years, whether that's in the inflation crisis or the crisis in Afghanistan as we withdrew. These are all crises that have been self-imposed by an administration that is not looking out for the American people that are beholden to other interests. And so it's time for a change. And I, I encourage folks to visit AmericaFirstPolicy.com to, to learn about a lot of these issues. Well, thank you. Chad Wolf, uh, the former Secretary of Homeland Security and also now currently head of America First Policy thank Institute. Thank you so much, Chad. Thank, thank you, you for Chad. everything you've done for our country. And what do we all stand for and what do we hope that all Americans stand for? Absolutely. Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America. Thank you so much.